Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to Renewing the Center. Today we're going to be looking at the very, very beginning of our Bibles. Um, actually not chapter one, but very soon into our Bible story in Genesis. Uh, recently I've decided, after a conversation with a friend of mine who is reading through her Bible uh, in uh, spanning about three months, that I would start and kind of follow suit. So I've been immersing myself in the book of Genesis and there's just so much here. Uh, I know that a lot of us uh, get somehow unhooked from our Old Testaments, and I just think there's a, a real, real tragic loss when we do that. And so I'm going to be spending a little bit of time here, probably over the next number of weeks in the book of Genesis, just reflecting on some of the beauty and the power of the story. Uh, it is my deep conviction that Genesis uh, tells us something profoundly true about God and about humans, uh, about our journey through life. And that's kind of what I'm going to be spending some time on today. And some of what I'm going to share, maybe a lot of it actually correlates to uh, some of the work the Lord's been doing in me over the last couple of years. And so I'm just really, really excited uh, to, to, to share with you. So I'm going to read uh, a little bit from the Bible here in Genesis. Um, and so I'm going to start here um, in Genesis 1. We're told in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over the wild animals of the earth, over creeping things and everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion, there's that word again, over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. Indeed, it was very good. So what we see in the first account there of creation is that God called uh, the first human family, um, this uh, Adam man, to uh, be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion. There's this sense in which Adam is invited to exercise authority. Um, I read a, a book a number of years ago by a fellow, a rabbi named Joseph Soloveitchik. Uh, the book is entitled The Lonely Man of Faith. And Soloveitchik says that uh, Adam 1, this first account of creation, is all about um, advancement, fruit-bearing, subduing, having, exercising dominion, exercising authority. And he actually likened that to uh, what for most of us nets out to be the first half of life. This idea of, to use David Brooks' imagery, to climb the first mountain. Um, David Brooks, the New York Times columnist who is a, a believer, follower of Jesus, who really met God and encountered him after a season uh, of difficulty in his life, he says that um, in the first half of life, we uh, exercise what we call resume virtue, um, that idea of dominion, fruit bearing, um, subdue, use your authority, subdue the earth. Um, those images that God gave to the first humans were all about um, outward expansion and movement. 
Uh, and many of us uh, live and, if we're not careful, can become stuck in a cycle of um, Adam one, that, that thing that I just read, thinking that, that all of life is about um, exercising dominion, uh, bringing um, a sense of fruit bearing that expands, expands, expands. That, that's actually the myth of our modern world is that we're always supposed to be doing that. But if you read your Bibles, you will see that uh, just after the words that I read there in um, verse 4b of chapter 2, we see an account, and you will read it in your own Bible, that says another account of the creation. So we just read one, and now we're told just a chapter into the Bible, there is another account. So essentially, the writer of Genesis is now telling us a different version of creation says, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So we've kind of started over. When no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted, so not the man, God, planted a garden in Eden in the east in whom he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the Lord did it. Then if you skip down to verse 15, then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all cattle and to birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then he said, the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. We'll, we'll follow the story further here in a couple of weeks. But here's what I want to say about that passage. So that other account of creation, right there, plain language in your Bible, actually depicts uh, the first human, Adam, not as a, a dominion exerciser, a conqueror, but as a farmer. I, the Lord made all the work. The Lord did all the creation and then said to the man, I want you to till this place. I want you to cultivate this place. So whereas the first account of creation is about dominion, about subduing, about fruit, about multiplication, the second account of creation is about a man called to be a farmer in a specific place. And that God even brings uh, life to the man and the man names and orders. So he's cultivating, he's farming. He's not exercising dominion at this point. He's actually a farmer. He's a, a person in a place. 
I think it's interesting that in this second account of creation, the man is lonely. In the first account, we hear nothing about loneliness, literally nothing. It's just be fruitful, multiply, exercise dominion, go, 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 go. But in this account, he's lonely and all the animals come and the man names the animals, but he's still lonely. And then the Lord says effectively to him, I want to bring companionship to you. I want to bring true community to you. But in order to experience community, you have to be conquered yourself. The text actually says the Lord caused the man to fall asleep. He broke open his side. So he put him to sleep and he cracks him open. And out of that brokenness comes one who would walk beside him. And it's just, y'all, such a beautiful picture that all the dominion, all the first mountain stuff, all according to David Brooks, the resume virtues, the things that are so important, it's important for you to be fruitful. It's important for you to exercise authority and power in your life. That's actually God-given. But if we only ever do that, we miss something of the receptivity, we end up lonely. In the second account of creation, we're told that Adam needed to be planted, that Adam that man, that human needed to be anchored, that human Adam needed to be companioned. And yet in order to be companioned, in order to not live lonely, he had to be conquered. David Brooks goes from resume virtue in his book, The Second Mountain, to what he would call eulogy virtue. Uh, maybe Soloveitchik hits the nail on the head even better where he says that the first Adam is about resume, about conquering, about reputation, which is so good and important. But the second Adam is a farmer. He's lonely. He's aware of his limitations, his boundaries. He needs companionship. I believe that God's great desire for each and every one of us is to move us through a healthy expression of Adam 1, ordering, naming, living, conquering, exercising God-given authority to Adam too, being receptive, being planted, being more of a cultivator, the slow work of cultivation versus the fast work of dominion. And our culture, y'all, just doesn't help us with this. Our culture doesn't set us up well to experience this transition. And if you read books about the first half and the second half of life, you see that so much of the angst and the turmoil that many of us, that I, I would argue all of us in one way or another experience as we enter into our 40s and 50s is God's work to get us into the second space. So that we would live our lives not just for a resume, for a reputation, but we would live our lives in such a way that people would say good and true and beautiful things about us at our funerals. Adam, too, ultimately has to be conquered. He has to be subdued. He has to be broken open so that out of his side could come one who would walk at his side. Now, that's explicitly about marriage in this text. And yet I would argue that for all of us, the craving that we have for community for relationship, whether we're married or just seeking intimate, deep friendship is God-given, uh, that it reminds us of our need to be connected to one another. And if you're blessed to be married, you need to see your partner as this invitation for you. If you're not currently married or don't um, have not experienced the circumstances that would lead to marriage, we still have the same ache and the same need for intimacy and community. G Jesus wasn't married. 
Paul, Paul was not married, a number of the disciples not married, and yet they experienced the same community where they had to slow down and open themselves up to be companioned. This is not just about sexual love. This is about our need to not and our reality to the, the need to acknowledge the reality that we're not meant to be sovereign individuals that live in isolation, just doing more and more. But ultimately, our doing must give way to being conquered, being subdued by God. And over the last couple of years for me, uh, there has been a real merciful, persistent, and at times very uncomfortable push from the Lord for me to acknowledge my own vulnerability and limitations and to be able to welcome those things and see God do good things in the midst of hard experiences. Conquering, subduing. So I would just say to you that if you're in that place of tension right now, don't fight it. Uh, you can complain about it to the Lord and to people you trust, but don't fight the work because the work is actually God's work. In subduing us, the Lord actually is able to meet us and care for us and change us. But when we resist that subjugation, that conquering, we actually just delay the process. So my prayer for you is that you would uh, look at your Adam one, look at that dominion, exercise authority and celebrate that. That was good. That was God's call on Adam. And yet it couldn't only ever just be that, that you would also look at the second account of creation and that God would, as you grow older, make you more into a farmer. So if you're in that space where you feel the shift, I just pray that you'll cooperate with the Lord through the circumstances of life. If you were young, live into your Adam one, build, do the things God's called you to do. But I want you to know that there will come a day where the Lord is going to help you understand your own limitations and vulnerability. And when that day comes, maybe this will serve as a placeholder and help you participate with God versus resist him. Uh, like I did and like many of us did who did not have a grid for this. God bless you. Go in peace. I'll be back in Genesis 3 pretty soon.